uh, a great uh, foundation and uh, just for situations like Cole, who was not able to be here for three years, two and a half, three years, whatever it was, um, <clears throat> here we are. The church lights are still on and bills are still being paid because of your faithfulness. And for over a hundred years, this church has been in existence and has been, uh, you know, uh, having that sense of we have a responsibility to worship God, to praise God, to give. And it's, um, uh, anyway, those are the kind of things that, uh, you know, we feel a certain amount of, um, you know, uh, responsibility. Lord, uh, help us uh, uh, keep your spirit flowing and uh, keep the Holy Ghost flowing because we are apostolic. And uh, uh, it is the way that you... Um, have with a sense of, you know, um, we, we believe what the apostles preached. We believe uh, about the presence of Almighty God and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And we preach about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We teach Bible studies about it. And probably 95 or 98 or maybe 100% of all the people in here know about the power of the Holy Ghost. And yet, I wanted to talk about the power of the Holy Ghost. There it is. I don't know. I'm playing the keyboard on this and it's not making it move, but it's all right. Uh, uh, Brother Josh will help me up there. As I tap, you just click it, and everybody will think I did it, okay? <laughs> He's got my back in more ways than one. And I recognize that we have uh, understanding about the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We preach about the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We uh, would encourage you to get the gift of the Holy Ghost. We want that to be a part of your Christian experience, to have uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost. And uh, I, uh, you know, um, that know that um, we have a sense of uh, this the sense of feeling that, you know, everybody knows about the power of the Holy Ghost. But as I begin to just read and ruminate and think, I begin to think, you know what? I just need to one more time preach about the power of the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to do that. And it's not anything new to any of you, and I get it, and it's all right. But I have been a little disturbed at somehow we have a sense that, you know, we believe that what Ben Franklin said is true and as being scripturally true. And it really wasn't scripture. And in fact, a lot of people think that it's in the Bible, but it really isn't. God helps those who what? Anybody ever heard that before? A few of you? God helps those that help themselves. And I realize that faith without works is dead, and I get it that we can't just uh, sit back and say, okay, Lord, bring me money to pay my bills, bring me money to, 
whatever. I've, I've decided I want to have a new car, so bring me the money, Lord. And uh, you just can't expect God to, it's not like a slot machine or something. You, you know, you just pass in your order and say, here it is, Lord. This is my order, and I want you to do it. And I, I get it. There's a ditch on that side of the road. And that ditch is that I just uh, have this fairy tale thinking about God, you know, that I can do anything. And, and the Lord fought that very temptation with the devil back in the beginning whenever he was tempted right after his baptism. Uh, if you remember, the devil said, just jump off of that building because the angels will keep you and you were not going to get hurt. And the Lord said, whoa, uh, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, you know. And so uh, I realize that there is that danger, and I get it. But yet, if we're not careful, we can somehow believe that it is through our determination and our discipline and our dedication and our devotion to God that is going to somehow help me in my living for God. Now, I agree that you have to be devoted to God. I agree that you have to be dedicated to God. I agree that discipline is the root word for disciple, and you need to be disciplined. But you have to recognize that those things alone will not give you enough power to live for Almighty God. Now, that's a bold statement that I just made. You can be disciplined, you can be determined, you can be devoted, you can be dedicated. But what happens when we mess up? Well, then is when we do our justification. And the justification goes something like this. Well, nobody's perfect. And I'm better than probably 95% of the people. Huh? At least I haven't done. I thank God I'm not like some. Not us. I'm saying it happened to Pharisees back in the time of Jesus, remember? Thank God I wasn't as bad as that one. Huh? Oh! So I say, well... I'll get more determined. I'll bear down harder. I'm going to have more guts and I'm going to get more grit. And I'm going to, by my own willpower, conquer my willpower. Hmm. And I said this a few weeks ago. When your flesh is the only thing fighting your flesh, the winner is your flesh. Because the flesh is fighting the flesh. <laughs> and at some point, the flesh will win. It'll win a little while with maybe what you really want to do, but then it's going to win with what you don't want to do at time. And even Paul talked about that. And then we say things like that, are also very true. Well, God understands. He knows, he considers my friends, one of my favorite verses. He knows my weaknesses. He knows I just can't do it. I, I wish I could. I know I should. 
I know his word tells me. I know, the, I know I've been convicted about it, but I just can't do it. And God understands. He really understands. Now, you say, Pastor, are you saying that God doesn't understand? Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely not. God does understand. And God does know your frame. And he knows what you are capable of. And he knows what you're incapable of. And I know that we all believe, and, and I've heard people, and, and I just put one example, and I probably ought to put a bunch of them, but I, I didn't. I just put the one. But I've, I've had a lot of single people tell me, it'll be easier when I get married. And there's Bible for that. <laughs> because the Bible clearly says, it don't get easier when you get married. Because when you're single, what is it? You're completely anxious about the things of the Lord. When you're married, you got all kinds of problems. The first one being a wife. <laughs> Sorry, we've got three couples getting married this year or four. Oh, God. I'm not trying to scare you all out of getting married. It's a wonderful institution, all the above. But I'm telling you that an inability to live for God when you're single does not translate into an ability to live for God when you get married. As a matter of fact, it goes on in those same verses to say, you know, a married woman has her cares on earthly affairs and that she may please her husband. And he goes through the whole gambit. He was fighting, the, resisting the idea and there are other places, and I've had people tell me, oh, it'll be easy to live for God when I get old and I get retired. And I don't, you know, <laughs> it'll be easier to live for God whenever I get a new job, when I get a new car, when I get a new, when I get out of high school, when I get out of, when I don't have to live under my mom. And I, I, it will be easier, and I'm sorry, it doesn't get any easier living for God than right now because the Bible is very clear. Today is the day of my salvation. And so the Lord knew that it was going to be hard. And yet Jesus himself is recorded as saying some very powerful words. I mean, he had gone and found ignorant and unlearned disciples, and he had talked to them, and he had been with them, and he had performed miracles in front of them. And I don't know about you, but <clears throat> I would say most of us have not been around somebody for three years that had that kind of power and miraculous power. We would more than likely be in major awe of what we were seeing. When you understood, this is the guy that walked on the water. This is the guy that jumped out of the boat. This is the guy that fed 5,000 out of just a lunch. 
oh my Lord, I'm blown away. He raised the dead, he got Lazarus up, he got the little Jairus' daughter And yet, he then starts telling him, I've got to leave you. And he tells him, I will not leave you what? Comfortless, but he uses the personal pronoun, I will come to you. In the Amplified of that same verse, it says, I will not leave you as orphans, as just now a father that is gone, comfortless, desolate, bereaved, forlorn, or helpless, I will come back to you. And he continues on in this vein in the 14th chapter. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will come, I will send him. Now he puts it as something different. So was Jesus going to come back or was the comforter going to come back? So all of a sudden it begins to sound a little bit like it's a separate thing maybe. In the 20th chapter, one of the last things he did that's recorded in the book of John as he brings his disciples together and they've seen him after the resurrection. He brings them in close and he breathes on them and he says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost and breathe his breath. Now these disciples had witnessed all of these extraordinary miracles. And all of this extraordinary power and ability that Jesus has. And now he leans over and he just, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. They they had seen unbelievable things. They were in awe of this guy. It was obvious he wasn't a normal prophet. It was obvious he wasn't the normal guy. And if we believe what the Bible says, only a very small portion of what Jesus did was recorded. And then after the resurrection, to walk through walls and show him his hands and all of this unbelievable kind of, go ahead, Brother Josh, next slide. And yet Jesus, his final words, He goes and he says, assembled with them, commanded, commanded, ordered them, do not leave Jerusalem until you are endued with... I I jumped ahead, I'm sorry. Let's, let's put the rest of it in there. John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. He said, wait for the promise. Wait for the promise. Now when they came together, they said, What's going on, Lord? Is, that, is this when you're going to restore the kingdom and we're going to raise the rise in power and, and we're going to be able to conquer the Romans and we're going to have victory and we're going to make it without restore the kingdom to Israel at that time? And Jesus said, don't worry about that. 
It's not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. Next slide. After the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. That's nuts. I'm sorry, Jesus. We have already witnessed unbelievable things. I'm already a witness. I know what you did. I know how you, I know how you opened the blinded eyes. I know what you did to Jairus' daughter. I know what you did to Lazarus. I am a witness how you fed 5,000 people. I am a witness of what you have done. I saw you walk on water. I saw you stand at the edge of the boat and say, Peace, be still, and the wind and the waves stop. I know what you can do. And now go wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Ghost after three years of walking, sleeping, eating, listening to you, I've got to wait for something? What could be so important to my life that I need to wait in Jerusalem for it? So they go to the upper room. You know the story. We all know it. We love it. We've prayed in a room similar. It wasn't the room. Jerusalem was all destroyed. We felt the Holy Ghost in that room. Not because it was in that room, but it was in us. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they talked. There was a group of them, 120 of them to be exact. And they got worried. Maybe, maybe we don't have enough disciples. You know, there used to be 12. Judas has strung himself up. Let's, let's vote on a new one. Well, how are we going to do that? I don't know. We'll cast lots. We've got a couple guys here. Let's figure out who the next disciple should be. I don't know what day that happened on. Day 7, day 8, day 10. But the Bible says when the day of Pentecost, the tenth day after they had been in there, inside the upper room, was fully come. And they were all together in one place and in one accord. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And it reminded them of how when Jesus had leaned over and breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden they felt now the very breath of God as it came down from heaven's portals himself. And they began to speak forth in a heavenly language. And they began to worship and dance and shout and praise God. And they spilled out of the upper room down onto the street and all of a sudden there were people standing there and they were amazed because they said we hear them speaking in the native tongue of where we came and these are just ignorant 120 people from Jerusalem they're not from uh, Asia and all the city and all the different towns oh they, they can't be speaking that language and they heard them as they spoke in other tongues. And some said, you've you got to understand, these, man, they are partying down on Pentecost. I wish we'd have been there. Hey, guys, where'd y'all get the party stuff? And a young man by the name of Peter stood up in the midst of them. Huh? 
said, this is not what you think it is, but this is, came from Joel's bar. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on your sons. And I'm here to tell you, God is doing what he said he would do. He promised he would not leave us comfortless. He would come to us. And now we have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. What should we do? I'll tell you, repent. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we love it. We preach it. We believe it. We talk about it. And it wasn't just in Acts the second chapter. It was in Acts the eighth chapter, and Acts the tenth chapter, and Acts the nineteenth chapter. Cornelius' house in the tenth chapter. And then while they're speaking, a Gentile, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost falls on them. Simon the sorcerer wants to know how do you get the power that you lay hands on people and they talk in tongues. In the 8th chapter, the 19th chapter, believers from Ephesus said, we don't even know what there is about the Holy Ghost. Only thing we've heard about is John's baptism. We're Baptist. And the Lord said, great, it's good to be a Baptist. But let me tell you what, you can get the Holy Ghost. That's what Paul told them. When he laid his hands on them, they began to speak in tongues. And we're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What are you saying? I'm saying it happened over and over and over again. And we know, and, and I, don't, I don't want to take the time to read them all because there's just so many. We, I, I could spend the entire time, but I want to talk about the power of the Holy Ghost. And I know I've got to hurry. I'm sorry. But it brings conviction. It, it illuminates. It illuminates the Word. It, it teaches you. It helps you understand. It guides you. It assures you. It intercedes for you. It directs you. It warns you. Uh, you know, and, and I've had people say, well, do you have to have the Holy Ghost? Do you have to have the Holy Ghost? Well, no. You know, you don't have to have a car either. And you don't have to have a flashlight. You don't have to have a mobile phone. And you don't have to have a TV and you don't have to watch Hulu or anything else. But you're missing out. Now you say, well, are you saying that you can get by without the Holy Ghost? I'm telling you, the early church didn't want to get by. And if we want to get by without it, what's wrong up here? Because it's the power of of Almighty God. In fact, it's better than that. It is God himself. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And yet in this hour, we have a lot of people Paul talked about, I mean, Paul wrote to Timothy about it in first, Second Timothy, third chapter, when he said, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I don't know. Uh, I, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. None of us. I'm just talking about the last days. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, 
turn away. Why? Because they are denying the power of the Holy Ghost. Go on, back to that Corinthian slide that you had. For what man knoweth a man, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of the man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of what? Of God. Not the Holy Ghost, not Jesus, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. When you get the Holy Ghost, you get part of God in you. Ooh, go on. Let's keep going. I know. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the God? No, Holy Ghost. Which is where? In you. Where did you get it? From God. And you're not your own. For you were bought with a price. What price did the Holy Ghost pay for you? did the Holy Ghost pay for you? Did the Holy Ghost pay the blood on Calvary? You see, that's the trouble if you start splitting it up. Is it none of these verses make sense? That's why the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and all these three are you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belong to God. Although you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Alright, let's keep going. I just kind of got off track in my studies last night because I went all the way back to Genesis. Genesis first chapter because it kind of blows your mind, doesn't it? It says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Who created them? God created them. And yet the spirit of God was hovering on the face of the waters. But you ask a Jew, they won't tell you that the God and the Spirit of God are two different things. They'll say God created and the Spirit of God. And God said, let there be light. Now Paul wrote, who was a Jew, who was understood Jew, Judaism, who understood the Old Testament, who was a scholar, a doctor of divinity. Studied under the feet of Gamaliel. And Paul wrote to the Colossian church and he said, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? And who hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? In whom we have redemption through his blood. That's Jesus. Even the forgiveness of sin. And that son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. For by him, by Jesus, were all things created. Now, Paul, you just threw Genesis, the first chapter, away. Because Jesus isn't anywhere. Spirit of God's there and God's there. But there is no Jesus. But what Paul was trying to say, it's all in him. It's all 
in him the fullness of the Godhead and it's all in him he said whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him he is before all things by him all things consist for it pleased the father that in him should all the fullness of the fullness dwell and having made peace through the blood of his cross gave by him to reconcile things unto himself I say whether there be things in heaven or things in the earth what are you saying I'm saying that when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost I want you to understand you are receiving the very spirit of almighty God when you realize the power that is in the Holy Ghost and you say I don't know if God is able to deliver I don't know if God can give me the victory if you'll stay full of the Holy Ghost there is no power there is no demon there is no disease there is nothing that can destroy the power of almighty God now you say well what are you saying I, I may die and I may have that I know but you know what it's not going to touch the Holy Ghost in me Paul wrote in Galatians now he I'm sorry go to Acts the fifth chapter because I wanted to read to you what's what Simon said a certain man by the name of Ananias and Sapphira and his wife took possession and they sold their land and they said they bought new land Peter said unto Ananias why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost he said you've lied to the Holy Ghost and he keeps talking and he says that's not lied unto men, but unto. Hmm. Was he lying to the Holy Ghost? Was he lying to God? Next one, Galatians. Galatians. Paul wrote it like this. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that you might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Paul wrote both Galatians and Corinthians. So which is it? The spirit of God, the spirit of his son, or the Holy Ghost? I want to tell you, it's all the same. You've got to recognize when you tap into the Holy Ghost, you are tapping into the very essence and power of Almighty God. So whenever the enemy tries to, what you say, well, how can I, 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 I I'm trying to, I'm trying to break this habit. I'm trying to break this, I'm trying to break this chain. I'm trying to break this, this thing that's got me going. I, I, what should I do? I'm going to tell you what you have to do. You have to practice humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God and opening yourself up to the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost and let it be a channel through you and flow through you. That's the only way. You see, you can't do it by your willpower. You can't do it by my might nor my strength. You can sit there and you can justify, well, God understands and it won't hurt this one time and I know I shouldn't really, but you know, it's okay. I don't know. But you know what? You're denying the power of, you're denying the power of the man that died on Calvary and shed his blood and got up from the grave after three days and said all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. I'm telling you, you have that power inside you if you'll start letting it flow through you. Say, huh? 
says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed under the day of redemption. What does that mean? Sealed. We seal windows. We seal under doors. Put a seal on jelly. What does it mean to seal something? It's covered. It's preserved. But every day your old flesh breaks that seal. Huh? That's why Paul said, I have to die. And I have to get the seal reapplied. Huh? Oh, I don't... I got the Holy Ghost. I talked in tongues back in 41. I haven't had a bad thought or done anything bad since. Praise the Lord. It's an amazing seal. Huh? Why do I have to get resealed? Huh? Because my old will gets in the way, breaks out every once in a while. You know? You ever seal the bottom of a door and you keep opening it and shutting it and before long, what happens? The wind, you stand by it and the wind just starts blowing you and you have to go get some new sealer, something to seal. You ever seal the window? You ever sealed caulking around the window panes? And it's not too long until you got to get some more sealant, huh? What are you saying? Hebrews, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And then my favorite, I think, is the next slide. I think it's my favorite. There it is. I love it. I ought to spend the whole day preaching on this one slide. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I will confess to you, I have never, ever in my life been drunk. I've never even tasted what beer tastes like. I have tasted wine on a few occasions if it was poured over food or whatever. We went through Altus, Arkansas. They have a big wine thing in Altus and they want you to try their non-alcoholic wine, muscadine wine, all kinds of, y'all don't even know what a muscadine is up here, you northerners, pitiful. No jelly better than muscadine jelly. But that's just beside the point. Look it up. Google it. You'll figure it out. But I have worked with a lot of people that have had some problems with alcohol. And most of them don't sit in a vat of alcohol. Alcohol. 
and absorb it through their skin. Most of them willingly go buy something. Spend their hard-earned money on it. And then... submit themselves to the process. Well, that one was good. Let's give us another one. <laughs> Hit me again, Bill. around. Huh? How do I stay full of the Spirit, Pastor? I have to actively place myself someplace where the spirits are flowing. <laughs> I have to belly up to the bar and I have to willingly start saying, Lord, hit me one time. <laughs> oh, that felt good. Ah, woo. Ah, oh, look over there. He's praying. I want to get some of that with him. Oh, look, she's getting some. Let me get some. Huh? Well, I just do all my drinking by myself. Oh, it doesn't usually work that way. Huh? It becomes this wonderful thing. That, and Paul said, don't get filled with wine, drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, and then he goes on to say, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now why would it change? Jesus told his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait. And they didn't know what was happening. And they were just praying and walking around and waiting and voting on disciples. They didn't know what was going to happen. But Paul said, if you're a believer, you need to pursue getting filled with the Spirit. You don't just wait and say, well, Lord, when you decide you want me to get the Holy Ghost, just hit me. Huh? Unfortunately, he won't hit you. 
If you want the seal, if you want the power of God, if you're fighting something that you don't know how you're going to get the power for it, you don't know where your strength's going to come from. You've got spirits of anger and depression and frustration and you it's going on. It's raging in you. You can justify it and say, well, you know, nobody's perfect. Everybody kind of has to do that. Nobody really knows. I don't understand. You know, he may act like he's all that in a bag of chips, but I'm sure he's human too. I know he'd get mad. I know, in fact, I know he speeds. He preaches about speeding all the time. I... God understands. He understands because you know what? He, God just knows. He knows my weakness. He knows my frame. I just can't do it. Or I can say, wait a minute. I got a power that I can plug into. Ooh. Fill me up, Lord. <laughs> I don't want the Sunday to go by. I don't want today to go by. I don't want this hour to go by without me plugging in to that power, the same power that stood on the expanse of the universe and said, let there be light, and there was light. The same power that spoke, and there was all of a sudden individuals came back from the dead. The same power that raised people from the dead, opened the blinded eyes, set captives, Free. That's the power that I have access to. You say, I don't know. I don't know how to fight it. I don't know what to do. I don't know. You don't understand. The devil's beating me up. The devil's hitting me. The devil's attacking me. The devil is. Be not drunk with wine. Wherein is excess. But be filled with the Spirit. And you know what that means? Sometimes you got to do? You got to open the Bible, Psalms 149. Start reading the Scripture, speaking to yourself in Psalms and hymns. Huh? What are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to myself. Why? Because I'm stirring up the gift of the Holy Ghost. I need another dose of the Holy Ghost. I'm not waiting for the Holy Ghost to come find me. I'm not waiting 10 days to see will the Holy Ghost fall or not. But I'm saying, Lord, I need you. <laughs> and I'm going to humble myself. I need your spirit. I need your presence. I need your deliverance. I need it, God. You don't know how the enemy is coming after my mind, how he's coming after my hands, wanting to attack my habits, my thoughts, my, my desires, my will. I need another dose of the Holy Ghost. That's when I start raising my hand and I start singing a song to myself and I start start making melody in my heart and I start worshiping God and start giving thanks. What are you doing? I'm opening the channel for the power of the Holy Ghost to flow through me. Let's stand. Oh, submitting yourselves. That means humbling yourself. I don't want to do that. I don't really think I have to do that. I don't think I have to do it. If you want to deny the power that is available to you, be my guest. 
You can ride a horse or you can drive in a car. You can never fly in a jet. And you can walk everywhere you go. But I want you to know there is power in the Holy Ghost. And we can never forget the awesome power that the Holy Ghost has. It is just up to us to open the windows of heaven and say, Lord, I'm coming after you. I am now going to get filled with your spirit. Hallelujah. Let's see. If you need the Holy Ghost, come. You've never been baptized, come. We're just going to pray through. If you don't want to pray with us, that's fine. I'm not angry. But if you want to fight the enemy with the power of the Holy Ghost, we're going to worship, sing.